So we did something very interesting a long time ago on the show. One of our clients was an expert in guided visualizations and the law of attraction. And she was kind enough to come on the show and do a guided visualization for us. And she actually did this for us at a live event. I believe it was actually at one of our Meet the Masters conferences many years ago. What I wanted to do is offer you a little gift. And that is an extra bonus episode every week. Uh, This will come out on Saturday, a little bonus episode, and it's nothing like a regular episode. It's totally different. It's going to be a guided visualization. I've hired an expert for this, and she does a great job of guided visualizations. And you know the power of visualization. Anything that the mind can conceive and believe, it can achieve. That's what Napoleon Hill, one of the early success authors of Think and Grow Rich, told us. And if you can get your mind, your subconscious mind, to conceive and believe things with multi-sensory detail, that is a very powerful tool. So why don't we take this tool and make it specific to the principles of real estate investing that I teach. And uh, we will do that. We are customizing guided visualizations. We hired this expert. And every Saturday, we will release a very short guided visualization as a sixth episode per week on the podcast. And you can take the weekend and listen to this and relax. And they're just a few minutes long. They're very short. And it will help you in your visualization of your bright future, your abundant future as an income property investor. So I hope you like it. It's just a little bonus for you. Look for this every Saturday. Welcome to this week's edition of Flashback Friday, your opportunity to get some good review by listening to episodes from the past that Jason has handpicked to help you today in the present and propel you into the future. Enjoy. Welcome to the Creating Wealth Show with Jason Hartman. You're about to learn a new slant on investing, some exciting techniques, and fresh new approaches to the world's most historically proven asset class that will enable you to create more wealth and freedom than you ever thought possible. Jason is a genuine, self-made multimillionaire who's actually been there and done it. He's a successful investor, lender, developer, and entrepreneur who's owned properties in 11 states, had hundreds of of tenants and been involved in thousands of real estate transactions. This program will help you follow in Jason's footsteps on the road to your financial independence day. You really can do it. And now, here's your host, Jason Hartman, with the complete solution for real estate investors. Welcome listeners from around the world. Thank you so much for joining me. This is your host, Jason Hartman, with episode number 937, 937. As you'll notice, the last episode in your uh, feed is not really an episode. It was just an announcement about our upcoming event. And I want to just say thank you all. You are really testing us. You're making us work hard with all these last minute registrations You know, you try to order the name badges early and get everybody in, and then you get 
20 more people that want to come at the last minute. Are we the only real estate conference going on in town or this year? I don't know. It must be. Maybe we're just the best. Yes, we are just the best. <laughs> anyway, we are honored uh, to have uh, so much attendance and um, have all of you coming. If you are joining us this weekend, and I hope you are, be sure you check that last episode and also check your email because you received an email from us with the app download link. Great little handy dandy app. A lot of you have already downloaded it. We can tell because we're watching. Yes, there is no privacy anymore. <laughs> we can tell how many people download the app and what pages they're most interested in in that app. By the way, I want to tell you, there is a lot of stuff in that app. So make sure you go through all of the different pages and the documents we have up there. And we will keep adding to them in real time. So one thing uh, that's interesting before we get to our client case study today, but I just thought I'd share this little article. It's about technology and um, the two companies that really revolutionized the world of technology are, of course, well, there are many, but the two famed companies that started in garages in Silicon Valley. Well, you know what they are. Well, actually, a lot of companies started in garages in Silicon Valley. Hewlett Packard was one of them, but that's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about good old the two Steves, Jobs and Wozniak with Apple Computer, and then Bill Gates and Paul Allen with Microsoft, right? Well, check this out. A little article that I um, thought was interesting. It was about how um, Apple is going to do a code release, and I guess they're going to release the code of their big flop. What was their big flop, you ask? Well, it was back in 1983. I remember this as a kid. Was Lisa, the Lisa computer. It was a big flop named after uh, Steve Jobs' daughter. Uh, hopefully he likes his daughter better than the, uh, the computer. <laughs> At the time, I know he had a strained relationship with her. And uh, of course, the late Steve Jobs we are talking about, obviously. But what's interesting about it is this. When I read this article, I wasn't thinking of real estate investing or uh, anything like that, any of the great financial stuff we talk about, but it's this, right? So the Lisa computer adjusted for inflation today would cost, you ready for this? It would cost $24,700 in inflation adjusted dollars. Now that's only based on what? It's based on the official rate of inflation. So think about it, folks. I have a feeling that almost, but not all of you, almost all of you listening were alive with us in the world in 1983. I'm just guessing, okay? And as such, you can think about this, right? The example I give a lot on inflation-induced debt destruction is based on a 1972 home buyer. And they were living in their home, and you saw the way they just massively benefited from inflation. In fact, in that example, which we might talk a little bit about this weekend at Meet the Masters, in that example, they literally got paid. They got paid to live in that house for three decades while they had that mortgage at 7.37%. And if it's a rental property, it would have been dramatically better. So a lot to know about that, but that's just interesting. You know, most people 
hate the passing of time. And I mean that in the sense that, look, you know, we all have to surrender the things of youth, right? Our bodies don't work as well. We look in the mirror. We don't look quite as good as we used to. You know, that's that's the whole reason I'm doing this, so that all of you can retire while you're still good looking. <laughs> hey, I'm a little punchy because, uh, well... It's so dark out. It feels so late. It's not really that late. Alexa, what time is it? It's 8.23 p.m. See, it's not even that late, but it feels late when I'm recording here. Anyway, so yeah, I uh, I get a little punchy later in the day, right? But you're thinking that's the way it is all the time. Okay, so one of the things I will be sharing this weekend that I'm really excited about, I've been working on it for a few days now, is these core beliefs that we all need to have as investors. You know, back in 2004, 2005, I uh, released my 10 commandments of successful investing. And then years later, I added another 10. So we have 20 official commandments of successful investing now. Well, I thought I'd do something a little more random at this upcoming Meet the Masters and just release a whole slew of core beliefs. And I've been jotting them down all day today for you. Well, not jotting, typing actually. You know what's a shame? My teachers in school, when I was in school back in the day, they used to say I had such good penmanship. And now when I try to write something freehand, I can't even write anymore. It's terrible because I type everything. And you know what's even worse about that? I suck at typing. I am the slowest, worst typist ever. Hunt and peck method, it's a disaster. It's really bad. So another reason that I appropriately hate email is my lack of typing skill. Yes, I did not know that we would need to type as much as we do. Okay, anyway, rambling here. I apologize. Let's get back to work, Jason. Get back to work. We've got a really good case study today. We've got a husband and wife case study today. Yes, we've got both of them on the show, so you can hear two points of view. And that is Gary Pinkerton, our client, who has been on the show a couple of times. But we brought his wife, Sue, on the show as well. And so I think you'll really like this interview. Now, I must warn you. I must tell you something first that he reveals, but he did not reveal it. Gary, I'm talking about. He did not reveal it in this case study right away as you're hearing their real estate investing story. The first house they bought that did not work out very well, they didn't buy it from us, okay? <laughs> that, that property, they did not purchase it from us. So I was glad to hear that. But I do remember, and as he started talking about the story, you know, I probably talked to him about this years ago, but I forgot. And we just did the interview, you know. I must admit that I almost, almost never prepare for an interview. <laughs> you're all thinking, I can tell. That's why your show stinks. It's terrible. Okay, well, I don't know. Most of you keep listening, so I guess you like my stinky show. So yes, I've only prepared for a few interviews over the years, and one of them was the first interview with Bill Ayers. Yes, domestic terrorist, the man who made Obama. Interesting interview nonetheless. 
That was a really interesting interview. I think it was one of my better interviews. And um, I did prepare for that one because I really didn't know enough about the guy. The guy that they said made Obama. And, you know, I'm certainly not an Obama fan. But I wanted to, I really wanted to dive in on that interview and see what he said. So I did actually prepare for that one a little bit. A couple of others, I did a little research before interviewing the guest. But I did not talk to Sue and Gary at all before this interview about what we would talk about. We just dove in and started yapping away. He does reveal that he uh, he purchased this property from another party outside of our network. But what's interesting about that is that we actually tried to work with this same vendor for a very short time years ago. The guy in San Antonio, and I, as he was talking about it, I knew who he was talking about. So yeah, interesting point. Small, small world. For better or worse, it is a small world, especially in my business. This little cottage industry of dealing with income properties nationwide, very cottagey industry, not many people in it, very small world, very hard to find good local market specialist. But when you download the app for this weekend's conference for Meet the Masters, you will see the list of a bunch of our local market specialists who are attending. And at this upcoming event, we have more than ever. We have the largest group of local market specialists ever. And why? Well, because we really have to do our job. And essentially our job, well, one of our many jobs, is to be a turnkey property aggregator. That is our role. Well, it's one of our many roles, uh, in addition, providing education, support, and a terrible podcast. Okay, so in a, <laughs> where the host gets on tangents all the time, that is one of our big jobs, to be a turnkey income property aggregator, right? And to line these properties up. So in order to assemble enough inventory of properties for all of you who are coming this weekend to purchase, to find good investments, we had to invite a lot of local market specialists. So yeah, you're going to see quite a crowd there. But the nice thing is this time we're doing it better because we have almost 300 people for this weekend. It's our biggest ever. We have exhibit spaces for them. You can sit down at their spot with a table. You can go over documents, paperwork, pro formas. We're going to be putting performas and uh, PowerPoint slides for many of the speakers right into the app. So that'll be super duper handy for you. And remember, we are live streaming this event. So if you can't make it, get a live streaming ticket. Now, let me tell you just a couple quick things before we get to our client case study today and our guest, Sue and Gary Pinkerton. One is that we will live stream this weekend, and you can buy tickets for the live stream at jasonhartman.com. Also, you can grab a last-minute ticket to come in person. We would love to see you in person. That's always the best way to do it. And several of you have asked, you've said, well, I can't come, and you know what? I can't watch the live stream because I'm busy that weekend. Well, yeah, that's why you can't come. I get it. I get it. I get it. So will we have a product that you can buy where you can, you know, watch all of the sessions and all of the speeches and so forth and get some materials and so forth like that? I want to say 85% chance we will have a, a product that you can actually buy after the event. However, 
I do want to tell you one thing. We do not have the rights to include Ron Paul in that product. In our negotiations uh, with his people, we could not obtain the rights to uh, share his talk on any product like that. So that will be the one thing missing. You will see Ron Paul on the live stream that we have the right to. And then of course, live, you can obviously see him if you come in person, but on any product, it will exclude Ron Paul, but it'll have all the other sessions. So I just want to let you know that look for that in the future. And, um, Hey, I am rambling again. So let's get to our client case study and hear how they really did a great job on their path as real estate investors, they are building their own empire right now. Over the last several years, they've been doing it. They, I believe, came to our first Meet the Masters in 2011, I want to say, but they'll tell you on this interview. Had a very hard time with the first property, like I did with my first property that I purchased at age 20. You know, just decided that this is the right thing to do, and they kept going, and they turned that property around, and their other properties have been good experiences, and uh, they are really doing a great job at it. So I'm very proud of them, and uh, without further ado, here is the interview. Hey, it's my pleasure to do another client case study today, and you've heard from one of our guests, but not the other. So uh, we've got a husband and wife real estate investor team here today, and it's Gary Pinkerton, Captain Gary Pinkerton, uh, who you heard from before on the show, and then his wife, Sue Pinkerton, and they are 49 and 47 years old. They met in Connecticut, where Sue grew up. Both of them are engineers, but Sue also became a nurse. They've got two boys, Jake and Ron. Ryan. Jake is 16. Ryan's 13 at the time of this recording. And they've got 17 properties in five states. They've got two more under contract, which will bring them up to 19. And then uh, I guess another one is being built. So that'll be 20 in all with their primary residence. I want to talk to them today about their real estate investing journey, but also specifically about something they are doing a very good, thoughtful job of. And you've heard me talk about this uh, several times over the years, but that is the topic of mortgage sequencing. They are doing a very good job with mortgage sequencing. So let's go ahead and dive in. Sue and Gary, welcome. How are you? We're doing good. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. Always good to be on your show. Good to have you on the show. Sue, what kind of engineer are you? I have a chemical engineering degree from Villanova. Oh, fantastic. And Gary, are you mechanical engineer or electrical or what, what are you? Mechanical, and then I got a nuclear engineering after that. Ah, nuclear engineering. How cool is that? <laughs> yeah, I learned how to build nuclear reactors. That's really, really useful in America today. You guys are really doing a great job of accumulating properties and building your portfolio, so hats off to you on that. Like I said in the intro, the mortgage sequencing is something we got to dive into. But first, Sue, can you tell us a little bit about what inspired the two of you to get into real estate investing? I think you came to us in 2011, bought your first property then, and, and then attended your first Meet the Masters in 2012, if I'm not mistaken. But give us a little background. So I think Gary was kind of the first one to spearhead that. I'm not sure what really turned him on to it, but he, he was ready to, you know, kind of jump in with both feet. And the first property we purchased was a fourplex in San Antonio. And then I believe he went to Meet the Masters. So then he was kind of all in. Our first property was a huge 
disaster. Doing great now, really good now. And kind of if we could have seen into the future, we probably would have bought a couple more. But, um, you know, had a really rough road in the beginning. And I'll admit, you know, I was the naysayer. I'm like, this is not going to work. This is ridiculous because the experience was really bad. And, you know, Gary's like, nope, I'm not, you know, I'm sticking to it. I'm following these, this guidance. And, you know, here we are, what, just a mere five years later. And I have 10 properties that I've purchased in the past two years. And, you know, Gary's almost fulfilled his 10 for the mortgages. So, you know, I got to tell you something, a comment on your first property. My first property was a disaster too. And I, I have mentioned this before at the risk of repeating myself. I just look back on my life at that first rental property that I purchased that crappy little one bedroom condo on in Coventry Lane in Huntington Beach, California. That was a terrible disaster. Had to evict the tenants. They destroyed the property. I did sell it and I made some money selling it right away. You know, I just got rid of it after that. And I, I could have so easily given up. I could have just said, I mean, I was only 20 years old after all, right? You know, I could have easily just decided, hey, this whole real estate thing is for the birds. It doesn't work, blah, blah, blah. And I guess you had your first experience was negative in the beginning, but it turned into a positive. So let me just ask you, I know you've had some good experiences with your other properties, but the one first property that was difficult, that specific property turned around and, and that went well later? Is that what you're saying? Or were you, are you talking yes, about the whole yes. portfolio? No, I'm, um, so that specific property, it took, oh, a good three years maybe even closer to four before it finally, you know, really turned around. And, you know, as we look back on it now, it's doing very well. It's in a good area that's continuing to grow. And, you know, we would say, oh, we'd like to buy more, but now we're kind of priced out of it. So yeah, yeah. that's the other thing. If you just simply have the tenacity and persistence to buy and hold the properties you can almost bank on this cycle. I mean, it's not a perfect thing, but the cycle, generally speaking, I mean, if you ask anybody, as far as appreciation goes, and remember, it's a multidimensional asset, so it's not just about that, because rents a lot of times are counter to appreciating their, their appreciation, they're non-correlating, right? As we talk about in the three dimensions of real estate. But essentially, seven of every 10 years are good appreciation-wise, three are bad. So you got a 70% chance if you just hang on that you're going to do very well, right? So if you do nothing else, except just be persistent and follow that simple quote of mine that I has always inspired me by, I believe Jack Parr, who said, success is largely a matter of hanging on after others have let go. Success is largely a matter of hanging on after others have let go. You don't have to be as smart as anybody else or as uh, lucky or advantaged or have inherited money. Just hang on after others have let go and you're probably going to do pretty well. <laughs> right. Yeah. And Gary was the one who was, he was very persistent because our issues came, it was a new construction. So all our issues revolved around the builder and the issues that he was having. So, I mean, we didn't even get to tenants until like year three. Right. Yeah. So crazy stuff, crazy stuff. Gary, any comments on that or, or, or general comments? One thing I think is important to say is that that property I did not get to the Platinum Property Investor Network. <laughs> and it's what actually drove me to the network. We've had problems, you know, not equal to that one, but we've had some substantial challenges even in the last year with rehab projects that didn't go well 
but mainly with bad property management. And those we did get through the network. And the reason I came to your network is because I spent a lot of time understanding the people who were involved, specifically you. And I felt like I could trust this group, right? And, and we were like-minded. And I believed in the idea that you bring you know, some weight behind some uh, ability to help us get resolution. And you did. And next case specifically where we had problems in Memphis, it's all been resolved. Our money was recouped probably beyond what I expected. So that's really one of the points I want to make is, is that event, even though it did turn out very well, and my wife was very patient with me <laughs> to get through that, it actually did change the course of our investing and, and so much, uh, quite a bit for the better. And the other thing I want to mention, Jason, is all the guys out there, and I say this on my on my podcast, that you have to listen to your wife's intuition because it is dead on. Yeah. I sent her a text once, a photo of the property under construction, and it had the builder who turned out to be uh, pretty rough and the real estate uh, broker guy, you know, their version of our investment counselors uh, standing in the picture. With I know him. that. I know that weasel in <laughs> San Antonio that you bought that property yeah. from. You know, we were yeah. trying to do a deal with him and we're glad we didn't. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I sent her a picture yeah. and she said, wow, what's up with those two? They look pretty chummy. Like they're in cahoots together. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, yeah. that's a weird thing to say. Yeah. Right. Dead right. on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, women's intuition is uh, is very reliable. A lot of it. it's not perfect, like and nothing's yeah. perfect. But, you know, there's it's definitely to be uh, considered. No question about it. No question about it. Good stuff. OK, so what came next in your journey? So you bought that one in San Antonio. Thankfully, you didn't buy it from us. That was a tough one. It did turn around ultimately. So that's good. And then you just kept buying more. Now, you came to the, your first Meet the Masters, I think, in 2012. Is that correct, Gary? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that was probably in Irvine, California, I assume. That's when we were mm -hmm. doing them there. That's right. And then what properties did you buy next? Like what was after that? And, and were you, were you still buying more? I'm curious, were you continuing to buy your properties while you were having the bad experience on that first one that you bought from that weasel in San Antonio? Well, like Sue was saying, I was moving fast, like a freight train mm -hmm. and, uh, and she was doing a decent job of holding me back, but I did end up buying four properties total while uh, five properties, excuse me, five properties, three were ended up being in St. Louis through the network. The other one that I bought was from the same guy, the same broker, at least not the builder, thankfully in Houston. It was a model home. It did very well, but it was kind of in spite of, you know, the, the real estate broker I used. Mm -hmm. So my point too, and you wanted to get to that mortgage sequencing stuff at the time, you got more money. I, I, I want to say that you could put like 20% down on the first four, and then you had to go 25% down on, on subsequent ones. And I think you could only get six at the time. So I was really, really focused. And all the conversation at the time was about buying the most expensive properties early. So I was very focused on you know, having the higher down payments on the first properties. And that's why I got that fourplex and then model home, which was a pretty expensive new construction. Right, right. So let's talk a little bit about this mortgage sequencing discussion, because that's one of the things that we really did a lot. We talked a lot about this several years ago, that it was important to, you know, if you've got that W-2 job, you're an employee, which that's the, what the lenders love. They just love loaning money to traditional employees versus entrepreneurs. And then you wanted to, since it was counted on the number of loans, not the loan amount, you wanted to try and stack up 
the more expensive properties, if you could, with those loans, right? What's interesting in this mortgage sequencing conversation is, is how you, Gary, retired from your career as a Navy submarine captain. And then Sue has, I believe, recently retired from her career. And now you're in a position where you're, I assume your income now is commission-based income. I'm not sure, Gary. Um, and then Sue is probably going down that road that way too. So you've really done some real thinking about this. You've really considered the way you're going to manage the mortgage sequencing and the acquisition of different properties by different spouses, you know, like you bought yours and then Sue bought others under her name and talk about that. Either one of you who wants to take that on. Yeah. Sue, tell him the story about how I ended up being the owner of the Jacksonville new construction. (laughs) Yeah, so, well, how many you had, like, four or five, I think, right? And then that was about the time you were retiring and going to the commission-based sales job. And then I had gone back. I was working part-time. I'd gone back full-time. And so then that was when we shifted over to my 10. We put our primary residence only in Gary's name to free up some, I guess I would say, leverage for me. And then we bought, what, four or five in Memphis, three in Jacksonville. And then I was supposed to do a new construction in Jacksonville, but we got a little antsy with my leaving my job. And then ended up buying in Oklahoma City. Actually just bought just before the property tour. But I did see the property at that time. And so that's kind of my Class A premier property in my portfolio. The Jacksonville new construction got delayed. And then so Gary ended up uh, picking up that one just because it was um, it's a nice looking property in um, in a nice area down there. So, mm-hmm. right. Gary, that's how... <laughs> yeah, that's so you got six in your name in Memphis. And then we had the three rehabbed ones in Jacksonville okay. and uh, all, you know, those are great properties. And then there was a new construction in Jacksonville to finish yours out. But it was like all new construction. It was delayed a month or two. And when they told me that. I was trying to figure out how to break the news to Sue, and she calls me, and, say, and basically the drive, the commute, the one-hour commute to work was another ugly one, and she's like, that's it. Get this last house bought. I'm quitting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I said, well, we need to look for a new property then because this one's not going to be ready. So in the end, I'm a proud owner of a Jacksonville property, and she has one, a nice one in uh, Oklahoma City, but that's how we got into that fifth market. Oh, okay. So I'm not getting why the Jacksonville thing is like oh. supposed to be funny. Is it because you didn't intend to get into another market or, or what? Well, no, it's just that it was in her name and it was not going to be ready. It was delayed another about a month, a month and a half, and she wasn't going to work that long. It was clear that she was leaving. <laughs> so if we were going to get the 10th oh, one, God. we weren't going to be waiting on that property. So I called Aaron Chapman, who I absolutely love as, as my lender, and because I call him the closer, and this is an example of, of that story. Uh, I said, Aaron, I understand I'm asking a lot, but we need to move this property from Sue's name to my name. And we're going to put another one in hers and close it in the next three weeks. And we achieved that. Yeah. OK. OK, good. So so time was of the essence to do that deal is what you're right. saying. Right. I got it. Right. I got, it. I got yeah. it. OK, good. Good. OK. So anything else on the journey of acquiring more properties and, you know, maybe what what made you pick certain markets or properties, uh, you know, any particular like did the investment counselor steer you to one or the other or did you kind of what was your thinking about why you should pick Memphis and St. Louis and Jacksonville? 
Belleville over Indy. And I don't know if you own properties in Indy. I can't remember where your properties are, but you know, what caused you to pick what? Well, the first, at the beginning, I really liked the product that was offered in Texas. And so I kind of ended up there. Plus Texas was a really strong, you know, market at the time. And I mean, it is now, it's just a little overpriced, of course, but then I liked St. Louis because the numbers looked amazing on the, you know, the BC class properties there in St. Louis. And I learned, you know, that numbers look really good on BNC and, and uh, they don't perform often as, as high as that. But St. Louis was near where I grew up and I knew that city very well. And Memphis is not that far from where I grew up. But I think, Sue, you had some uh, some strong input, I think, on Jacksonville and, and Oklahoma City. And I think we were both just kind of comfortable with Memphis. But what, what are your thoughts on Jacksonville and, and OKC? You know, I kind of take a different perspective when I'm looking at the markets, you know, and I'll think, well, you know, would I live there? You know, what kind of house would I like to see? Or So I tend to go more towards the, I would say, the B-type properties, you mm-hmm. know, kind of more middle of the road you know, Gary's very willing to deal with the C-class properties and even the older properties. I like something a little bit, it doesn't have to be brand new. I just like a little bit newer, Mm -hmm. you know, so that's kind of where we went. And, you know, as far as the areas, I think, you know, we were just following you and you had been in Memphis and Gary had been on the uh, Memphis property tour. And I think he texted me like, hey, I just bought this house and there's a few more that look good. So, you know, we just kind of moving around, you know, following your advice of the the three to five areas, you know, and then, you know, we like Florida, Jacksonville. I think the three that we bought, Gary, those just kind of popped up, right? It yeah, wasn't so we that to, we were really looking at. We had talked to Sarah and we said that, hey, we're kind of interested in uh, Port Ritchie and right. also Jacksonville. So we like the, her parents live here in Florida. We see Florida as one of those markets that has a little bit of room for kind of a blend of upside and the cash flow still makes sense. But Sarah, you know, it was on her radar now. And shortly after that, she sent us uh, an option to get three that were kind of coming as a package. So we grabbed those. So, I mean, Sarah has been very helpful. And Sarah and, and Sue, I think are very similar in what kind of properties they would get. And I think, I think Sue's newer stuff is very similar to what, what Sarah has in her portfolio. Right. And, and remember that if you're listening to this uh, podcast episode years from now, which you may very well be on a flashback Friday or just listening to the back catalog, this may all change in terms of markets and you know that, but the the (laughs) idea is the principles of investing and the psychology of it those pretty are pretty darn consistent over the years. I mean, a mm-hmm. lot can change, but there are sort of some fundamental, I don't want to say absolutes, but they're almost absolute, you know, almost. I mean, they're, you know, it's like the old saying, no rules or laws apply universally, <laughs> including this one. <laughs> this will be continued on the next episode. Thank you for listening and happy investing. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. Be sure to check out the show's specific website and our general website, heartmanmedia.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Remember that guest opinions are their own. And if you require specific legal or tax advice or advice in any other specialized area, please consult an appropriate professional. And we also very much appreciate you reviewing the show. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio or whatever platform you're using and write a review for the show. We would very much appreciate that. And be sure to make it official and subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Welcome to Meet the Masters of Income Property Investing. I'm your host, Jason Hartman.
Join us in beautiful La Jolla, California on January 12th through 15th. This is your chance to meet the masters of income property investing. Learn from an amazing collection of experts all in one room. You'll meet a ton of local market specialists, mortgage lenders, tax professionals, and investment specialists such as Jeff Myers of Myers Research and John Burns, real estate consultant. Learn from Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Advisors, Ken McElroy, his real estate investment expert, and Garrett Sutton, his attorney who specializes in asset protection. Find out what leading economists are predicting for 2018, including Danielle DiMartino Booth, founder of Money Strong LLC, and Andrew Zatlin from Moneyball Economics. Hear from leading entrepreneurs how to maximize your income streams. You'll learn unique financial strategies from Patrick Donahoe of Paradigm Life and how to give birth to a brand from Brian Smith, founder of UGG Australia Brand. This year also features a very special guest, Dr. Ron Paul, former congressman, presidential candidate, and staunch advocate of liberty. Right now, you can upgrade your ticket to include VIP access and a dinner with Dr. Paul. Enjoy a fine dining experience and fascinating conversation. Seats are limited, so upgrade your ticket today. Ask questions and learn why real estate is the most historically proven asset class. Armed with new information, you'll have the confidence to take massive action. As the saying goes, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. Surround yourself with like-minded people and build friendships that will last a lifetime. Share strategies and tips with other investors and hear about their successes and struggles. Make 2018 the year you decide to achieve your dreams. Real estate is a proven way to create true wealth within your lifetime and achieve long-term financial independence. Don't wait. Join us in La Jolla. Reserve your seat today.